Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. We are keeping safe. We are practicing uh, <laughs> hygienic practices and social distancing here at the Mighty 3 Triple R. We are indeed. Some and more successfully than others by the look of your gloves. Yeah, well, the right hand's good. Right hand's good. Hi, my name's Cam Smith. Uh, lovely to be in your car, in your living room. Mm. Up on the roof. <laughs> yes. Get down off the dang roof. Uh, I think a, an interesting, a varied show for you today. Uh, the first thing we're going to do is, um, as we have been doing and concentrating on, is hospitality folk who have been put at risk. Yes. Um, in somewhat of destitution. Yes. From this terrible unfolding economic chaos mm-hmm. that we have around us. Uh, we're going to be talking to Jack Hawkins from mm-hmm. Worksmith and uh, we're just going to Elaborate on something that we talked about last week with yes. uh, Danny Vallant, um, tip jar. Yes. So stay tuned for that. Mm. Uh, and secondly, after that, it's um, we do have this thing called COVID. Have you been aware of it? Mm. <laughs> the truffle doesn't know. <laughs> really, the little truffle. The little truffle. He's been growing underground. Going, I'm just growing. All season, not aware of the chaos I'm above him. I'm in a him. symbiotic relationship. I give a little bit, I get a little bit back, I grow a little bit more. Wow, what's that sound? Um, <laughs> as it gets dug up. And we have Nigel Wood, who is mm. um, at the moment traipsing up and down with his with his truffle boots. Mm. Up and down the paddocks. Yeah. Up around Morn- I think he's at Mornington. But N- Nigel is the man who uh, uh, had the truffle festival. Yes. <laughs> no truffle festival this year, Ain't my no friend. Festivals at all this year? No, but there no. will be um, an ability for people to get their truffles because, well, you know, we need these these little indulgences. I think. Yes. I mean, hey, you know, <laughs> <laughs> look at me. I mean, come on, indulge me. I remember years ago the story of how I was sent to the. Paran market in those mm-hmm. days to go and get some food for possibly the week. Yes. <laughs> and I saw my old mate Damien Pike. Yes. The mushroom man. Mm-hmm. And I came back home with a single truffle. <laughs> that was your week's grocery bill. <laughs> where, where, where are all the veggies? And I'm going to look, babe. <laughs> I got this. Anyway, we, we ate well with that truffle. So we're going to talk to Nigel Wood about truffles. We're also yes. going to get a market where we have a, a brief market report with John. Um, <laughs> so we're just laughing at your gloves. It's just... We're, oh, we're, going to, we're going to go to a cart and I'm going to put another... It's like you've shaken hands with one. Wolverine. <laughs> yes. I'll put my hand in a mangle. Yes. What's your name? Palmy Mangles. Um, and then, then, after market report... We have a chat to one of our favourite chefs around the place, mm. Philippa Sibley, who yes. has been working up at the European, continues mm-hmm. to work at the European, which is great news. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be just a bit of a food chat because it seems appropriate because this is a... Food show. Food show. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Um, before we go on, um, a few things have to be noted. Yes. One was... 
um, I want to throw a bouquet to yes. Melbourne Food and Wine Festival mm. again yes. with their pirouette. Oh, well, I see what you're doing there. Oh, it's not me. It was, it was Pat who came up. Okay, cool. so he did, I have all, to attribution there. We're all sick of the other P word. I'm not yeah, going to yeah. mention it. Yes. Pirouette. Yes. It's more graceful. Yes, when you change direction. Mm. <laughs> and you wear a tutu while you do it. Um, and their Food and Wine Festival, the online part of it. Now, that festival has concluded. Yes. And yet, mm-hmm. you, dear listener, can still be a part. And that goes for you too, Matt. Me? Yeah, you. Right. Do you know about Instagram? I've heard of it. I know. It's pretty good. There's a thing called Instagram TV. Yes. If you go to the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival's Insta site, Mm -hmm. you'll see TV. It's the middle button. Mm -hmm. And there are a whole bunch of sessions that are all available for you to watch. Yeah, right. So I would commend – there's one that I really want to see. Actually, there's lots I really want to see. But the first one I want to see is The Corn Dog, Richard Cornish. Yes. And Max Allen. Talking about the true history of oysters and champagne. Oh, that will be good. Mm-hmm. Kate Reed in the cube uh, in the cube at uh, Loon. Yep. Yeah, lots of stuff. Anyway, so that's good. Um, hey, while we're handing out bouquets, can you just keep the bouquet box open for a second? Because I, I was. And I, don't I think... see it more as a, like a little basket. A bouquet basket. Yes. Yes, we've got another bouquet. Well, it's wickerware. It's brown. It's lovely. I don't think I've ever sort of said this on this show in the last I don't know how many years we've been doing. I'm going to give a bouquet to. MasterChef Australia. And you know why? And with good reason. Uh, so obviously MasterChef probably arguably had its heyday maybe sort of 10 years ago when people even talked about the MasterChef effect, which was... Can I stop you there? Go. Their commercial heyday. Yes. Their peak commercial heyday. And, and people spoke about the MasterChef effect, which was people, or mainly, I guess, sort of children, which was positive. And teenagers and people who watch TV a lot actually getting into food, which was a really good thing. Little kids saying, play, let's play it up. Fast forward to this season. Okay. Um, and it's probably been a little bit of luck in some ways that because of COVID, people are stuck at home and so there's probably more people watching TV. Um, anyway, so their timing may have been fortuitous, but what they've seemed to be doing this season is opening up to... Uh, a, a slightly broader array of ingredients. So a few weeks ago, they had chicken feet on, and of course, all of the all, the, God. all of the skippies are like chicken feet. This is gross. Isn't it? Whereas mm. everyone, uh, you know, well, not everyone, but a lot of people of Asian background and heritage, God, said, I'm home. Finally, something from my sort of cultural background is is featured in prime time. Um, yes, and then fast forward a couple of weeks later. And uh, instead of, you know, caviar or some foie gras. foie gras, foie gras, their feature ingredient was instant noodles. Instant noodles. And they Brilliant. had a whole pile Brilliant. of instant noodles and you just and the thing was how do you sort of pimp them up? And again, Twitter sort of went a little bit nuts on this and everyone's comparing noodles and those sorts of things. And even, uh, I've got a little quote, even uh, Benjamin Law sort of tweeted, uh, as a kid of Chinese of a Chinese Malaysian mum, seeing instant ramen elevated to holiness, and seeing two Southeast Australian or Southeast Asian Australian women slaying it with those dishes, that was one of the most satisfying episodes of Australian TV for me. Which is a good thing. I love this country in, in those sort of ways. We talk a lot about you know the, sort of the about, threads that we have absolutely. that make up this. T- oops. And we talk. Oops! I nearly <laughs> went into <laughs> cliche. I was going to say tapestry. I would have gotten in trouble. Tapestry. But isn't, um, isn't that the truth, though? And it is a beautiful acknowledgement and yes. reflection of the society that we have. Also, the judges are pretty bloody ace, too. Yes. Your favourite is? 
I don't really have a favourite, okay. but they're good. Yeah, they're all worth a watch if you haven't uh, haven't seen it for a few years. Yeah, okay. How do you? Uh, what about the ads? Oh, it's when you, you just, go and make tea, yeah, exactly. So just make another martini. <laughs> another <laughs> the quarantini. Lock, the lock quarantini. The old, yeah. the, the very well visited liquor cabinet. All right, and we go from um, a good news, a bouquet that mm. is being thrown around to maybe some funereal lilies. Oh, yes. <laughs> No, this is this is actually a little bit sad, and um, and it does it reflects on Melbourne as mm-hmm. a as a place. Ah, yes. And um, specifically, I'm I'm talking about a place within the city, the prettiest arcade we have. Yes. Also, probably some of the highest rents um, that you could possibly yes. have as well. I'm talking about the Block Arcade. Yep. Um, built in 1892. And there's been a place... Just, just as the gold rush was finishing up, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and there's been a place operating in there for well over 100 years. 127. 127 years. Yes. Called... 127. Uh, the Hopeton Tea Rooms. Yes. Um, a, a wonderful woman by the name of Kelly uh, has been running that for the last 10 years. And um, she has just lifted the standards of that cake display to be mm. the greatest cake window in Melbourne, quite simply. Mm. I mean, you can take your Ackland Streets and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Pah, amateurs! <laughs> um, Brilliant-looking place. Mm. A, a great link to history of this place. Mm. There's that mirror in the back of the, uh, the tea room, which I, I love so much. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, that's in peril now because Kelly has sent in the receivers. I think would be the, the best way to put yeah, it. Yeah, I think it, I think it's up for sale. Um, mm. So hopefully, we'll be able to continue. God, but I someone... think, and this is going to, but you know, I think the next six months in our fair city, we're going to see. Obviously, with um, some places able to open from tomorrow, which would be good. Interesting to see which places can actually make that work. But yeah, unfortunately, I, I really think the next six months we're probably going to see. A few more ownership changes and, and probably sadly a few more closures because it's just you can't just have a business that's had no income for three months and still all the it just doesn't work and and then we're not actually just turning on the tap we're actually yeah. just slowly letting a little bit of water trickle out yeah um, if we want to use that metaphor um, and the other thing I just wanted to yes. also say oh yes and also acknowledgement see what else did I also want to say oh I had my my very very first. Mm-hmm. Uh, draft beer. Oh, I saw that on Instagram. Yeah. It was so exciting <laughs> um, because I was part of Melbourne Food and Wine Festival and did a trivia challenge during the week. Yes, so you were at the pub. No one else was at the pub, but uh, you were there doing the trivia. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I was with Pete and him. So, you know, with yeah. staff and we had a, uh, uh, the beer lines had been put on. Yep. We drank a beer, social distancing. But what a profound thing. Mm. Um, that was the other thing. I very quickly want to just mourn the passing of mm. uh, Beechworth Honey at the Block Arcade. Oh, okay. um, just uh, an incredible experience mm. that it was unique in the fact that you go into this beautiful, beautiful shop mm-hmm. with those huge windows, and there's about forty honeys mm-hmm. that you can taste, and they're all different. Mm. And that was one of the things. And it was. Um, it's great to have people to come in there and just it gives people an idea of, um, especially for young people, mm-hmm. to have a look at um, palate. You know, mm. 
what does this taste like? What does that taste like? What does that taste like? For little kids, it was um, a really, really great learning thing. I mean, as I've often joked, you can't give them a vertical tasting of, you know, the 90s <laughs> Shirazes because, you know, they sort of fall over after about the third one. <laughs> so you got the wood. Can you taste the spice in that, Johnny? I can't see my feet. Um, yes. So sad news, good news. Winter's nearly upon us. Yes. And we're going to be talking about Tip Jar. Jack Hawkins on the line here from Tip Jar. Very, very good afternoon to you and thank you for joining us. G'day, Cam. Tell us a little bit about um, a Tip Jar. Danny Vallant and I sort of flagged it uh, last week and we've been talking, and Mark as well from Worksmith and I talked about it. But uh, this thing has uh, gone through some developments. It has, yeah. So Tip Jar is, uh, really simply put, it's a, a crisis fund that Worksmith has set up to help raise and direct money to those who need it most in the hospitality industry right now, especially those who have been affected by COVID-19, which, as I've just heard from me previous speaking, you know, there's a lot of stories out there. There certainly are. I mean, um, the food and beverage services workforce, there's a lot of workers out there, um, and... I would say the hospitality sector along with the tourism sector has been one of the ones that has been hit hardest. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I look at people don't realise that hospitality and tourism is like the third largest sector in Australia for employment and uh, it's also one of the hardest hit by COVID-19 with um, restrictions, you know. It was pretty early shut down and, and those people that work in the hospitality industry, they simply just can't work from home during this crisis. So there's a lot of insecurity out there at the moment. All right, so we, we know that. So um, Tip Jar is sort of trying to be uh, the solution so far as, you know, what, what industry needs right now. Um, very quickly, how did it eventuate and what is it and how can people get involved? Yeah, so it, it just came out of Worksmith is uh, obviously very involved in the hospitality community and we just saw there was a big need for uh, a simple way for people to donate and help out their... Uh, friends and family who are, who are working in hospitality. So, so with the fund, you can visit our website, which is tipjarfund.org, and you can whoa, make a whoa, 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 donation. What, 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 what's the um, – it, it's actually tipjar. Yeah, tipjarfund.org is the, uh, the Matt, website. Yeah, cool. Maddie's got that. That's good. Thank you, Matt. And uh, you can donate really simply through our website. Um, it's probably two or three clicks, and any donations welcome from a dollar to $20. And, uh, yeah, there's some great rewards you can also, you know, possibly take home just from donating. Oh, self-interest. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's work down that, that line a little bit. Yeah, so uh, we've got a bunch. Some of the best ones, though, I think, uh, you know, there's $1,000 to spend at your favourite uh, restaurant or cafe. Um, there's also a year supply of beer or oh. a year supply of coffee. Oh, um, Matt's eyebrows just nearly hit the roof then. Hello. Yes. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. <laughs> All the good stuff. Yeah. And more importantly, you know, these donations, um, they all play in part with these rewards. So um, we'll be purchasing these uh, rewards to, to help those in the industry as well. Um, I hate to bring finances into it and that sort of stuff, but these deductions over $2 would be tax deductible. Would that be correct? Yes, I believe so. Hey, that's, uh, that's rather good. So um, if you make a donation, and we do hope that you uh, get on board, folks, out there, um, the money that goes goes through some interesting operations. I thought maybe we might quickly talk about those. 
Yeah, so we've partnered with a couple of different organisations to begin with to help us deliver the money to the right people. So that's uh, Street Smart, who work in homelessness a lot, um, Scarf Community, who work with upskilling and helping migrant workers in hospitality, um, Operation Thank You with Meals and COVID-19 EAD. Mm. Um, so those are the four big ones we've partnered with to help us distribute the funds. And um, we were also talking about something that's uh, going to be happening where there's um, a bit of an offering that's going to happen with some prepackaged cocktails, which we can find in some different places now. Matt's really looking interested. It's beer and cocktails. Beer and cocktails. <laughs> it's got me written all over. Yeah. Yeah, so something we've uh, dreamed up over the last week is uh, a bit of a bottle cocktail to help um, to help everybody sort of celebrate and enjoy their time at home. So it's, uh, it's a cacao and pear Negroni that Orlando Marzo our beverage director who's made, and uh, it'll be arranged in Black Arts and Sparrows, I think, in about two weeks' time with all the proceeds going to, to tip jar. Oh, great. Well, we can that's, – uh, that's probably one of the easiest uh, ones to go and pick up. But in the meantime, you can go to tip jar. Is there um, money that's flowing through already? Yeah, we've had about 80 donations. We've raised about $6,500, um, so we're well on the way to starting our, uh, our mission. And, and just to reiterate, a lot of this stuff is going to uh, give assistance to hospitality workers with uh, food, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's multiple fronts. So with those charities we've partnered with, um, we're trying to tackle all, all problems. So, you know, helping people who actually are in insecurity with food and meals and also those who are in financial insecurity um, because they simply can't work from home. Mm. Um, and also upskilling, which is a big part of SCARF's work, you know, and we're also working with some mental health partners as well. So we're trying to tackle it all on all fronts if we can. Great. Well, look, I'll tell you what we might do is um, how about in a couple of weeks we, uh, we get you back, we find out how it's been going, and uh, we have one of these cocktails. Well, we'll, 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 we yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get one of these cocktails and uh, – well, actually, I think we probably need a couple. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that sounds great. Well, look – uh, congratulations to all you guys, what you've been doing. Um, we'll, we'll keep abreast of it and we'll, we'll keep um, singing your praises. Thank you, Cam. Really appreciate it. No worries. Nigel Wood, good afternoon. Hello. G'day, man. Hi. Hi, Cam. Hi, Matty. Hey. How are you doing? We're, we're doing good. Paint us a picture. Where are you? Look around and describe. Okay. I am one of the joys of... Uh, um COVID, I guess, uh, not being in the studio uh, and sitting right <laughs> in the middle of the truffle paddock. Yeah. In the bright sunshine, um, I'm looking at hazelnuts that are dropping, uh, the trees that are uh, dropping their leaves, uh, and the evergreen oaks, which are the other host trees we have in the paddock. We've got 600 trees. Wow. Uh, we went hunting yesterday uh, for the first time with the truffle dogs, and we, we found... Uh, Two kilos of truffle, so we're off to a great start to the season. Boom! Two kilos. Yeah, that sounds great. And Look, um, a lot of people are reporting that it's uh, it's going to be a bumper season, actually, which is kind of ironic given everything else that's going on with uh, <laughs> with the, with the industry basically shut down. Yeah, well, that was um, the thing. You, you didn't get to hear the intro, Nigel, but um, we were just saying an obvious thing: the truffle doesn't know that there's a. You know, a catastrophe above the ground because it's uh, that's exactly right. It's yes, a subterranean mate, look, dweller. It is indeed a subterranean dweller. That said, um, although we did the first hunt with the dogs uh, yesterday, mm. um, 
I actually found uh, some truffle myself because uh, the week earlier. <laughs> You're turning into a truffle oh, hand, Nigel. <laughs> it's the nose. Even without. What, what happens, Cam, is the um, uh, those early season truffles, some of them poke their heads, they do poke their heads through the top of the soil, and you can see that by, if you walk, walk the rows of trees carefully and looking, mm. you can see where the trees, are, where the truffles actually breaking the surface. And so um, when you do that, you, you, you really want to cover that truffle up so that it'll ripen and won't get uh, damaged by insects. Yes. Insects or what have you, but then you mark the truffle. Um, and so. How do you mark uh, what, the truffle? What do you do? I just actually use. I just use a little weight that's got a, a coloured ribbon tied to it, and I sit oh, that yeah, right. Uh, it's just it's just actually a, uh, nuts that I use. Yeah. You know the um, bolts and nuts and stuff yeah. with uh, with a ribbon tied to it. I sit that on top of the truffle, and then I'll go back and check. Uh, just put my own nose uh, to the ground, and as I say, I mean, I did that uh, a week a week earlier, so ten days or so ago, nine 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 days or something like that, and uh, one of them was beautifully ripe. So. Uh, as I say, we're off to a good season. Same is true across Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, there are about forty truffle farmers in in um, uh, in Victoria. We produced more than two tons of truffle last year. But all the big farms are uh, in in Australia are in uh, Western Australia, Manjimup, and uh, yeah. in the Manjimup area, mm. sort of about two thirds of the way to to um, Margaret River from Perth. So. Uh, those guys are also getting some early cold weather and some, and some early good uh, good harvest. So, it's uh, the the other thing, Cam, is it's just going gangbusters in terms of the interest. We've got a uh, unfortunately no truffle festival this year because we can't have thousands of people gathering to uh, celebrate the truffle in close proximity, which is a bit of a blow. Well, it makes me very um, sad because I enjoyed doing those with you. Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a real pity. Um, so I guess you know. There, I guess, as I say, there, there there is every now and then. There's a little bit of upside, and um, and uh, so with uh, the uh, the hospital restrictions starting to ease in Victoria um, this coming week, hmm. I'm I'm hoping that um, you know people will um, be looking forward to busting out and um, and um, and hitting those. Um, Every second chair uh, to enjoy uh, to enjoy truffles. Certainly, that's been our experience at the pop up. We opened our pop up at uh, Queen Vic Market just uh, this week on Thursday. Where where is the, where is this pop up? You said it's near the American Donut Van. Yeah, it is. It's just in the organic aisle in Eyeshed, and oh, um, so we're right. open. We're open every every we're open every market day. Yeah, and uh, and people can do a you know if people don't want to get out of their cars, they can do a pre order and that sort of thing. Yes. Um, but the market is uh, the market's been uh, you know a safe place to be, and we just in the, the three and a half days that we've been open, we've we've done double what we've did, what we've done uh, last year. And the feedback from um, people is, you know, uh, we've been cooped up for so long, we've actually learned some cooking skills, and now we want to actually branch out and try truffle. So there's a whole bunch of truffle newbies that are. Experienced cooks as a result of um, ISO, and now they're you know now they're trying out their um, their recipes, you know pastas and sauces and mac and mac and cheese, which I think is a bit of a favourite of yours. Yeah, and, well, it, and it, it doesn't scrambled eggs, all of that. Well, well this is the thing, and um, it doesn't have to be that highfalutin. What you want is you want um, a dish that has heat. And fat in it because yep. they're sort of the, the friends of the truffle, 
and uh, and I, I did. I joked with you a, a few days ago where I said, yeah, I don't know, I came home and I had some truffle and I was hungry and there it was. It was the bigger packaged mac and cheese. <laughs> true, true this. Yeah. And it's just like going back to, Matt, well, we're talking about the ramen challenge for MasterChef where you, let's let's pimp my mac and cheese and it didn't get much more pimped up. I mean, this was wearing, you know, a feather boa and, and velour, believe me. It's like Chris Chris Gill, you know, funkadelic. But, yeah, shaved a bunch of um, of that on there. And here's something that I heard when um, our guest who's coming on very, very shortly, um, I said to her about uh, doing truffle. I said, have you got a slicer for doing, you know, a shaver? Yeah. She said, no, microplane, you get more flavour. Yeah, you do, Cam. And, more and surface look, area. Look, I think, yeah, that's right. So uh, with a microplane, you just it, it does uh, as you, exactly as you say. It just gives more surface area, so that's more interchange between the truffle and whatever the companion ingredients are. Mm. Um, but presentation, really, a, a slicer is is really the way to go, unless you what? unless you really unless you really um, got top nine skills. I think you really really need. You Basically do. just two implements, a shaver and a microplane. Well, actually, that's what I was going to say. You, you, best of both worlds here, Nigel. What you do is you yep. uh, microplane into the dish, then you do yep. that, and then garnish with a couple shht, shht, got slices got on Chef, the top that's, there. That's, that's Seth training is showing. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, thank you. Um, uh, Nigel, congratula- well, no, we sh- shouldn't offer congratulations just yet. Here we have wishes for lots of cold weather. And uh, many truffles that uh, you and all the truffle farmers find. The great news is there is an outlet at the Queen Victoria Market. For and people. online too. And online too, Cam, at trufflemelbourne.com. There, there goes Matt with the flying biro. What, what, what was that again? Trufflemelbourne.com. Gee, that rolls off so the tongue. Western Australian and, uh, and truffles from our farm. All right. Well, it's one of those things I would say to you folks out there. It's an indulgence. Um, it's really not that expensive. It's sort of like if you get a good truffle, it's like a, a semi-decent bottle of wine. And uh, gosh, they're good. Nigel, I'll leave you to wander through the paddocks. I'm enjoying the sunshine and I'm going to walk up and down those rows where the dogs were yesterday and have to take a bit of a sniff, Cap. One last, one last thing before I go. go. I was really impressed by uh, what Jack is doing uh, with Tip Jar. And so we're going to donate uh, 200 grams of truffle to uh, Tip Jar for, uh, yeah. uh, for, for, uh, for some kind of prize that they might want to do. Hey, well done. Okay, well, there you go. Jack, did you hear that? Uh, you'll get in touch. I can I can put you guys in touch. Cheers, Cam. Cheers, Matty. John, we got sunshine. Yeah, we do. You must be late because the sun burst about a half an hour ago. Oh, really? And it's absolutely glorious. Yesterday the sun was out, but that wind was cutting straight through you. And actually, I took my jacket off and I was cold on the back, and it was giving me a sore back. So I put the jacket on, stood in the sun for a few minutes, yeah. heaven again. Oh, thank God. We've got vitamin D happening, which... Uh I think a lot of us have had to have, take supplements because we haven't been in the sun as much as we should. That's right. So get out there and have a little bit of a walk around the block. I've yeah. got to do a little bit more of it too. Have, yeah, put you on a little bit of put. So. Flattening the curve. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. Me, you and me both. There's a few people around, it seems. There's a few people around. There's a bit of a buzz, but it's still very, very lazy. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll come out probably 
a little bit later and um, enjoy the sun and come out and buy some veggies. So that's what we're hoping for anyway. Well, I'm seeing a few more people on the roads coming up. Definitely, especially on a Thursday. Thursday seems to be a funny day. Coming into the city, I come in a little bit later because I'm not going to wholesale on a Thursday. Mm. Um, I find that, you know, the 6 o'clock, it's nearly full peak. Yes. Um, and going home um, yesterday afternoon, we left here about half past four. Getting back to Moorabbin was nearly peak traffic time. So I'd have to see what it's going to be like when a footy cracks. Oh, yeah, my God. Now, you've... Um Oh, we should acknowledge where we are, seasonality-wise. Last day of autumn. Yeah. Tomorrow, you know, um, it's, um, so far as the calendar goes, it's winter tomorrow. And apparently yes. I think the weather's about to change too and give us a little bit of a kick in the pants. Yeah, still an exciting time, though, because Ooh, yeah. we're in crossover. Yep. Um, I told people from two weeks ago that it'd be rather sad that we're losing our locally grown tomatoes, mm. uh, more Romas than anything else. We've still got plenty of Doncaster coming on. Um, but the Romas were beautiful, big, rich, red tomatoes. The people were eating them in salads. They were having fry-ups. They were making sauces. Yeah. And I was saying, in a couple of weeks, you'll miss them. And I say, oh, no, we'll be all right. But yeah. this week, we're selling beautiful big Romas at are coming out of Queensland, which is the only good tomato that comes out of Queensland, $7 a kilo. Ooh. But people are still buying them. They're yeah. buying a little bit less, and they're taking them home and enjoying them. And talking about Romas, we've got a, a mini Roma here, but it's a Tigerella. It's a black Tigerella. It's got black hues with green stripes. Beautiful shine in the sun that we're standing in at the moment. A very, very pretty tomato. It looks like a very small egg. Yes, it does. A quail. A little bit bigger than a, a quail egg. egg. Yeah, um, these were selling at 13. People are buying a few to try because they've never seen them before. Ones that had them last year buy half a kilo, kilo, and take them home and have a feast with them. They're really pretty, aren't they? Yeah, they're sort of um, red background with this sort of green fleck, and we were saying they're a little bit like... Um, a tigerella or a green zebra that has that stripe yes, on it. Yes, definitely. And it carries through to the flavour? Yes, it does. Yeah, they're shiny and beautiful. They're perfect condition. Very crunchy, juicy, strong flavoured. Where do they come from? Uh, these came out of South Australia. Yeah. Um, my tomato freaks here, my son Joseph and Sammy, both um, would rather eat Doncaster tomatoes, but they're stuck on that. Yeah. I don't mind them. Um, I don't eat too many of them because of uh, the acid levels, but they're a lovely tomato. Yeah, they certainly look good in a bowl, and they certainly look good in, a, in with a little bit of a salad, I reckon. Definitely. They're good to walk past and snack on one or two, yeah. rather than going for the um, salty stuff, so it's yeah. good. And show and tell, you've brought out some portobello Yes, these are um, size of Big a pancake. Flats. Now, it's been rather tragic. The last couple of months have been very few good portobello mushrooms around. Mm. Normally, I sell a little buttons as tight as anything. You slice them in half, fry them in a pan with butter. Yes. These are a little bit bigger. I like to slice them um, long ways and fry them again or make a soup with them. I've been making a magic soup. Um, Bianca actually thickened hey, it up whoa, a little whoa, bit. Whoa, 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 whoa. You say you're making magic mushroom soup. Well, yeah, I wish, but <laughs> I think a lot of people are past that. <laughs> As someone said, not enough room in the top paddock. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, right. Um, hey, anyway, know, so these magic... These Mushrooms are magic. They're not magic mushrooms. There we go. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, the cheap gag. I yeah. know. Um, I love um, because these things hold together so beautifully, better than a white mushroom that we were so used to for years and years. If you make a mixture of um, now, what was it I'm used to make? 
bit of miso, white miso, hoisin sauce, and sesame seeds on top. And you make a paste and you put that on the top, chuck it in the oven. You get this umami rich glutamate city deliciousness. Sounds good. Yeah, it's not bad. Anyway, that's that's just a sort of a eastern approach to this whole thing. But gee, we're blessed having these mushrooms, aren't we? Because how long have they been around for? It's been a while now. It's been a long time. In yeah, Europe, they, they were always there. But here, they were late bloomers before. All they grew was white mushrooms, white mushrooms, white, white mushrooms. mushrooms. No, you used um, to get capsule flats, capsule flats, yeah, capsule flats. Yeah, that's right. That's and then right. all of a sudden, you got the Swiss browns. Yes. And you had a mushroom with real, real texture, and, and now we're, and we're blessed. A lot of people, you know what they do? They drizzle them in oil, put them under the gorilla, mm. into a bun, mushroom hamburger. Yum! Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, you can have a layer of tofu on top of that fried um, as well. We were talking about things specifically to this time of year. Um, we've talked about chestnuts a little bit. We've seen those. Yes, we've um, seen those. There's quite a few varieties out there. Yeah, we've seen passion fruits come down to a passion reasonable fruit, price. Six million mandarins. Um, Which ones would you go for? Actually, I like quite a few of the varieties. I like the clementines. Um, I like them all, as it's long as they're not... Overripe and, and musty flavoured. Oh, uh, you know what I really hate is the, the mandarin of great disappointment is when you get one that's just dry. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, oh, I oh, know. But um, there are also custard apples. Yes. Starting. Yes. Now, I, I like to eat them uh, overripe. Robert next door who sells them reckons I'm sick because you should eat them a little bit firmer. But I can't help myself. I like the, the sugar and the juice dripping down my hands when I'm eating mm. them. So who is he to say that I'm wrong? And also getting one of those stones, because they, they slip around the mouth so beautifully too. Yeah, they do, and, and a lot of the kids collect them and, and uh, try to sew them together and make a, um, uh, a necklace, or if they get really silly, they throw them at each other and it's not good. But, yeah, that's a byproduct of the fruit. It's good fun eating them. Leave your brother alone. Yeah, and there, there's... Um, quite a few melons out there. There's honeydews, there's rock melons, there's candy melons, which is a newer variety. Haven't seen them. Um, well, they haven't got what them across the right. They're uh, uh, brighter orange more than yellow like wow. the honeydew. Yeah. And when you cut them, they're orange inside. You've wow. got to try them. Uh, you get a, a really nice one. They're just so different. Good texture. Uh, nice and juicy. Very sweet. Just a break from a cantaloupe or a rock melon, whatever you want to call are, are it. Are we talking cantaloupe orange or more vibrant? Um, a maybe more. a little bit more lemony orange, but but still very vibrant. Yep. And and very tasty, and it's just something different to break the monotony as well. Candy melon. Oh, yum. Okay, that sounds good. <coughs> and as usual, you know, there's a lot of apples out there. Look, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Just eight different varieties we can see that Stephen's got. Mm. And then you go into the nashi pears and uh, the imported, unfortunately, apples and that, which we don't want to touch. Good boy. Um, and the bananas as well. There's stacks of bananas over there. What, 250 today? Five oh, for right. sugar bananas. Yeah. So it's time to get out there and have a feast, cook up a storm. Still cook your nice soups to warm the cockles of your heart mm. and have a little bit of fruit later to remind you that, you know, summer fruit's still here. How do you do? My name is Cam Smith. Across from you, I have... Uh, Matt Stedman is here as well. Yes, and on the blower, <laughs> we've got the, the redoubtable, the fantastic, the ever-haunting, ever-lovely, Philippa Sibley. Hello, darling. <laughs> it's been too long. You? What has? 
Well, it had been. Oh, yeah, until last night. Yeah. Um, Wasn't that fun? It was, but before we do that, we just need to establish... Tell us, who is the real Philippa Sibley? Oh, I don't know. Come on. Uh, who's the real Philippa Sibley? <laughs> <laughs> who's the real Cameron Smith? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty hard one it's too. It's a trick question. It's it de- got to be a trick it question. It depends. Um, Philippa, we've spoken to you over the many, many years... Uh, yep. One of the great chefs of this land, um, a woman out. who has uh, endured and flourished under an all-male regime in France. Boom, go you girl. Um, and has come back here, um, has cooked up a storm. You've cooked some beautiful dishes from me. I was reminded of one that uh, when you were with Jane, uh, one, your offsider at Il Foneo a long, long time ago, you made a risotto for me that made me cry. Oh, really? That's my. I like making people cry, and mm. it, I think it's a bit, you know, a bit kinder to do it with food rather than, you know, pinches behind the arm. But yeah, I, yeah, 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 yes, or you know, or emotional <laughs> turmoil and things like yeah. that. Uh, but yeah. you've been. Um, you're at the European, yeah, up in Spring Street. I, I am at the European. I'm at the European as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, You're there now. To, yes, I am. And getting ready to reopen, uh, you know, of sorts, tomorrow at the wine, at the wine room, at the wine it's shop. June sorry. 1, yep. Yeah, so that's sort of exciting and a little bit daunting. But, yeah, we're all getting well, geared up to relaunch, I guess. There's a lovely so crew there at the, at the European, especially the city wine shop. Well, that is... That is almost one of my favourite places in Melbourne, and I think Matt will agree with me that yes. it's a place that personifies Melbourne. Yes, it's iconic, actually. Like this is this is the place that people bring, you know, overseas visitors. Um, you know, it's a, it's just where it is. You know, the, the, its longevity. Mm. Um, the staff have all been here for ages, which is always a fantastic sign. Um, yeah, I'm really happy to be a part of this. Uh, yeah, it's this a good crew. That's a, you've, good you've fallen in with a good crew there, and I also have. when you know we're not in COVID and you know all that yeah. stuff. Um, <laughs> When the sun's rising, when the warm sun is rising from the east across Spring Street, it is one of the greatest places in Melbourne to have breakfast. It sure is, yeah. It yeah. is. It's a beautiful vista. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I just I hope we can get up and running and back to some sort of normal as soon as possible. Existence. Is the, um, the cheese room going to be open too? Oh, yeah, that's, uh, people are really gagging for that. Yeah, so, I bet, People yeah. are missing gagging. the cheese room. <laughs> gagging, gagging for some etivers and things like that. Exactly. We've got, quite, we've got a lot of cheese. It's all available in the Spring Street Grocer, but, um, you know, the, the amazing sort of experience of going down into the hmm. catacombs is uh, sort of, I think that's going to be a little way off. Now, I just wanted to um, just say something maybe a touch provocative. <clears throat> Go on, then. Volivants are valid. I know. I'm bringing them back. Are, are volivants valid or what? What? First they of all, so, there'll, there'll be so a whole valid. bunch of people out there that will go, "What are you talking about? A vola what? what what's a, what's uh, a volivant?" And and tell. Let's go for the very very worst of the volivant, and now we can and then we can move to the best. All right. Well, you can buy the pre-cooked volivant. Erica's um, Erica's pastry. Well, even in Coles, you know they're sort yeah. of anemic-looking, stale, flaky little things. But what what inspired me to 
to go there with the volavant was watching Babette's feast, the quail en sarcophagus dish that she does with the little puff pastry, you know, little puff right. pastry volavant with the quail inside. So I thought, oh, my God. I'm going to hit, po- Philippa, hit and pause yeah. just for two right. secs. We're just going to rewind. <laughs> volavant. Um, is something that has been around for a million years. It's sort of yep. uh, usually uh, it can be round, can be oval. Um, it's made out of puff pastry. It's a con- yep. it's at its it's a vessel. It's a container for a somewhat wet dish, isn't it? Really, usually. Yeah, usually, and and usually a little bite size kind of yes. you know a two biter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they can be it can be. Uh, Really bad. Okay, can really. I give you my worst? One of my worst moments of volivant over the years was tuna, corn. Oh, tuna and cream corn volivant. Revolivant. Revolivant. <laughs> hey, boom, I see what you did there. Um, yeah, but um, but as, as anything, you know, when something becomes unfashionable, it can go back and you can bring it back. And so why do you reckon it's valid? Uh, I, I don't know what you mean by valid, but it was bloody oh. delicious. But why is it good? You just, I, well, I'll, I'll say... Good puff pastry, good, beautiful puff pastry. Crunchy, um, buttery. Mm. But really good buttery puff pastry, delicious filling, baked fresh, so it's still got that buttery, biscuity kind of flavour, amazing with wine. Mm. Um, what topped it all off is that bloody truffle that you brought along. Thank you for that. Oh, that's all right. Oh, we should, um, so, yeah, full disclosure, um, I went out to a dinner party. <laughs> with social distancing and, you know, all that, just so that we get that oh, out the way. We're such a good crew. We're such, such nice people and Michael Harden. Oh, and, and um, yeah, sorry, and and you too, Michael, if you're listening. Yeah, you were there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, it was uh, it was just great to – This that was the first time I had been out. Well, we had to make it specky, didn't we? Yeah, well, you, you certainly did, and it really was. So <laughs> so you came good, and you, the first course was volivant with, what was the... the well, uh, it was some mushrooms. It was, it was pine mushrooms, slippery jack mushrooms that Jane, my fabulous roommate, housemate, found herself. Yes. Um, a whole lot of other mushrooms. Yep, some beautiful truffle, a little bit of cream, and um, piled that all into the square volivant with a round hole because you know <laughs> can't can't be too yes. boring. Yes, and um, yeah, that was our first course, and and there was a, an amazing wine served with it apparently, and yes, and then uh, the fun ensued. It was a little yeah, it was fun, and we had some oysters too. That was nice. Yeah, they were they were beautiful coffin bay oysters with one of my favourite things in the world, which is just a shallot vinaigrette. So, mignonette. just uh, mm. yeah, why is it called a mignonette? I was going around going, that's not mignonette, mignonette's a lettuce. I don't know, I don't know, but you don't question the, the no, French, well, do you? And that sounds no, nice. And I'm not, I'm not certainly not going to question the hostess who's you know <laughs> handing me food, going, oh, that's not a mignonette. But um, there is something about a really beautiful oyster uh, mm. with uh, with that, and uh, with also the Cleansing martini that I was having. Lovely with it, which martini. Was, yeah, yes. which, which is good. And uh, yeah, main course were those breaded pork chops that you did, and 
something mm. – here's one for you, Maddie. You might not have ever mm. seen this before because I hadn't and I was kind of astounded. Um, broccolini. Broccolini, yeah. Broccolini, Ma- peas, but, beans. Yeah, mm. but not as we know it, uh, to use the words of uh, Leonard Nimoy. Um, <laughs> uh, it, was, uh, it was made into a salad. Yeah, well, I thought we needed something. We were having there was rich, 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 and then I made a salad with green stuff. I love, I love eating can you, greens like that uh, these uh, days. If there's anything that people can take away from this interview, other than hearing your mellifluous tones, um, <laughs> is um, just the fact of how would you make um, such a salad? Because it was just beautiful textures, virtuous, healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and it allowed me to indulge in all sorts of other things. So uh, tell us forkable. how you... Forkable. It needs to be forkable. So you need to cut, so cut what? all the veggies up. Can forkable. You just, oh, thank you. Yes, right, yes. <laughs> so instead of having long bits of stuff that it, you know that you have to chase around, yeah. I just chopped everything up. Well, it sounds bad, chopped everything up. But little, little sort of... Sort of Centimetre. It was about mm. it was about centimetre. If you so if you see the, even the broccoli stems, if you see those, they were just these little beautiful little rounds that were in mm. there. There were beans in there. There were little peas. Did you put spring onions in there as well? Spring onions, good yeah. call. Yes, thank you. And you thank can you. the thing about that salad as well is that you can dress it. You don't have to like wait till the very last minute to dress it. No, because it's not going to go soggy. Or, yeah. 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 Yeah, and I usually put, like, grated zucchini in there as well. I love zucchini because it sort of absorbs dressing. and So, yeah, that's and it's so zucchini. healthy. Grated zucchini. Oh, I love raw zucchini. It's my new thing. Wow. Okay. So, mm. what, 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 microplane grated or No, 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 just grade? on a zealous, on a zealous, like on a Japanese mandolin-y kind of, so it's not grated per se. Mm, I but, still need to get know, one of those. Living. Yeah, it's the long one of those. God, I need – where do you get them from? <laughs> Oh, you get them from, Chef's you know, hot, but they're, yeah, God, but they're, they're really they're dangerous. Oh, yeah, bad. yeah. I, I remember I've the... seen many a fingertip, I've searched for many a fingertip in the, in the you know, whatever was just... I, I remember a million years ago when I actually did have a restaurant in West Melbourne, I had a bass player who was one of my kitchen hands who was oh, no. using a mandolin. Oh, no. Simon was his name, poor guy, and he just left hand, no, right, left hand, yeah, left hand, Oh. Chopped off all the tops of his bass playing callous fingers and Holy boy, did he shit. scream! Oh, I bet he did. Ah, wow. ah. And I went, No, you're going to go back to work because I was a hard that's ass. Like, that's like a, a really hard night on the double bass. It was. Oh, yeah, it yeah. certainly sorted him out. So, but anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, so, yeah, we had uh, that is a gorgeous salad and uh, dressing, olive oil. What sort of vinegar did you use? Because it, it was, was pretty, pretty sharp. Yeah, it was um, sherry Mustard, cherry vinegar, lemon juice. Cherry vinegar. Um, half EVO, half um, just a, a really like a vegetable oil because otherwise it's too, too you know, tangy from the olive oil. It needs to yeah. be a little bit delicate. So, yeah. But don't use canola oil. No, not canola, canola oil. Canola oil is the... Bran seed oil, I think I use. Bran, uh, one of them. Yeah, they're, they're good. Neutral. Yeah, canola oil is yeah. the worst tasting. It makes possibly the worst tasting vinegar. Flaws. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no good. Uh, Philippa, good luck with um, reopening up uh, the European and that uh, precinct, the fabulous precinct up there in, mm-hmm. in that area. And also, again, if I could just personally thank you for an awesome night and, uh, and breaking the 
Yeah, that's that's right. The seal. Uh, thank I'm you. I'm clearing the blockage. Yes. No problem, darling. It was a pleasure to have you. Well, many, many, many thanks. Uh, look forward to having you go again on soon, and we'll find out how it is all going there. Uh, in the meantime, uh, keep the fingers away from the blades of the mandolin. <laughs> no problem. It's always good. All right, guys. Good thank to you. Talk to you. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. <laughs>